Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 6. Sandy. the podcast. It's American. The Air Force Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Monday, March 13th, 2023. People. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope everybody is ready for what is one of my favorite episodes of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Every single year, we have a bracket, and we are going to spend nothing but today talking about the bracket. This is the cool part. Sometimes there's a big breaking story on the day the bracket comes out, but today we're talking all things bracket. So we're going to open just a few thoughts on how the bracket came together Hint, hint, I know a few teams think they got screwed, but for the most part, I actually thought the committee did a very good job. And then we'll just go region by region and talk it out. Not going to go into my picks today. Today, for people who are new to the show, this is not the episode where I say, I have TCU in the Elite Eight. I have Duke in the Final Four. Like, that's not what today is about. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the selection and the field of 68 itself. And then we'll go region by region and just talk it out, give you my opinions on all that good stuff, and we'll get out of here. I think Tuesday we'll catch up on some news and notes, maybe some coaching carousel stuff, maybe have a little bit of a gambling segment with our guys from Betfred Sportsbook. Wednesday is the day I will make my official picks. So I want you to listen to all the episodes, but Wednesday are my official picks. But today is a pretty heavy bracket breakdown as well. So make sure you're plugged in. Make sure you're locked in uh, because we got a lot of brackets to talk about. Speaking of brackets. Before we get to today's show, have you, yes, you and your friends and your girlfriend and your boyfriend and your husband and your wife and your uncle and your aunt, have you signed up for the Aaron Torres pod bracket challenge for the third year in a row? It is brought to you by bracketfanatics.com. If you've never signed up before, all you got to do, go to bracketfanatics.com, join bracket. The bracket is named Aaron, A-A-R-O-N. Click that link. The bracket is up. You can start making your picks right now. Also. If you signed up in previous years, use your email. You're automatically in there. All you got to do is make your picks. You don't have to sign up for a new account, nothing like that. You're already good to go. This thing is already rocking and rolling. And many of you are probably sitting there saying, well, Taurus, what do I win if I sign up? Well, first of all, it's free to enter. So everything's free. If it's free, give me three, as the old saying goes. You know what I mean? And then two, how about this? Bracket Fanatics, we are giving out $1,000 in prizes over multiple winners. So you enter $1,000 in cash prizes courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. But here is the cool part about Bracket Fanatics. Not only can you join the Aaron Torres Pod Bracket Challenge, but you can also, on top of that, create your own Bracket Challenge as well. Go to BracketFanatics.com, create a bracket, and here's the cool part. One, you can do a free bracket like mine. Mine's completely free. Bracket named Aaron. Or two, if you happen to have people paying for their brackets, You create it through BracketFanatics.com. And the cool part is BracketFanatics will collect all the money for you and distribute it for you as well. You don't have to go chasing people down, asking them for money. Send me a Venmo. Doors from accounting. Where's your five bucks? You got to corner her in the hallway. You don't got to do that. BracketFanatics.com. Everybody pays there. Everybody, all the money gets distributed there. It is that easy. So go to BracketFanatics.com. Join Bracket. Bracket name is Aaron. And then you can create your own bracket as well. Thank you again to Bracket Fanatics. We are so fired up. 
to be working with them. With that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, we got ourselves a bracket. And before I go region by region, which is the plan, we'll start with the South, where Alabama is the number one seed, and the East, where Purdue is the number one seed. We'll take a quick break, do the other two brackets, West and Midwest. Before we get to it, I I just want to talk kind of big picture, 30,000-foot view about the committee itself. Because before we get to the bracket breakdown, it always feels like most times on a Monday, there's two or three really big topics outside of the bracket, right? It feels like every year we're arguing about something the day after the bracket comes out. And then it's Tuesday, Wednesday, when we start breaking the thing down. Last year, if you remember, Tennessee wins the SEC tournament. They still end up as a three seed. A lot of people upset by that. Texas A&M, of course, was was in candidacy for an at-large. They lose in the SEC championship game. There was an argument that they should have been in. So that was what we spent all Monday arguing about. What I'll say is this. I really thought coming into this Sunday, this selection Sunday, I didn't think we would have very much to argue about. And it feels like that's the case. Let me explain why before we start breaking down the brackets. It struck me on Sunday. Most years, when there's any type of argument going into Selection Sunday, it centers around one of two things. Number one seeds and then the bubble. Well, this year, let's start with number one seeds. What was there really to complain about with number one seeds? We came into Champ Week kind of understanding, okay, realistically, there's probably five spots for four teams. In no particular order, Alabama, Kansas, Houston, Purdue, and UCLA. We all sort of agree that UCLA probably was the fifth of those five teams, probably needed to win the the Pac-12 tournament. And then when we found out that UCLA was going to be without their star wing, Jalen Clark, then it even added to it, where it was like, even if UCLA wins the Pac-12, the committee has the get-out-of-jail-free card of basically saying, like, look, they're not at full strength. We're going to put them on the two line. So I never really thought there was much to argue about once UCLA lost in the Pac-12 championship game. And then especially when Purdue won the Big Ten, it was like, is is anyone really going to argue that UCLA is more deserving than Purdue? Now, I did see a very brief groundswell to get Texas on the one line, in part because they won the Big Big 12 tournament. They beat Kansas on Saturday. They also beat Kansas in the final day of the regular season. And maybe to bump down Houston after Houston lost in their conference tournament. It was a groundswell. I never thought it was happening. We can pretend like the brackets aren't already set when the Big Ten and the AAC championship are going on, but they were. And so I thought the committee did a good job with the number one seeds. I didn't think they really had anything to screw up. And I'll be blunt. I didn't think there was really anything to screw up with the at-large bubble teams as well. Because when it comes to the bubble, most years, just think about it, right? Most years with the bubble, there's really what, you know, 10 teams for eight spots or eight teams for six spots or whatever. But in general, as the week goes on, things start to get screwed up because teams that aren't supposed to win their conference tournaments do win it and you steal at large spots. We call them bid stealers. So the the ACC, let's use them as an example. Georgia Tech wins the ACC. Nobody has them in their field. Now you got to give a bid. You got to take a bid from somebody else because Georgia Tech just got one or whoever. Butler wins the Big East or St. John's wins the Big East, whatever. That didn't really happen this year. Arizona won the Pac-12. Duke won the ACC. Alabama won the SEC. Texas won the Big 12. Whatever. Even in the smaller conferences that could have been multi-bid leagues, the AAC was won by Memphis. Memphis was already in. San Diego State in the Mountain West was already in. College of Charleston would have been a bubble team if they had lost their conference tournament, but they won it. Same with Florida Atlantic. And so when you look at the bubble, there was really nobody that had legitimate gripes. The first couple teams that were left out, Oklahoma State finished 18 and 15. Is that a team that anybody is yelling and screaming deserve to be in? Because I don't see it. I wouldn't have fought it if they did get in. But I wouldn't yell and scream that they, they they were somehow robbed. Same with Rutgers. Rutgers was the one team that Joe Lenardi got wrong. He had 67 out of 68. He had Rutgers in. Rutgers went 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games overall. Doesn't feel like a team that you have to have in the field. North Carolina, their resume, we've talked about a million times. They were not in. They did not deserve to be in. So you look at the bubble. I give the committee credit. 
They weren't overwhelmed by these weird conference resumes from bad and mediocre teams uh, like an Oklahoma State, like a Rutgers. I'm happy that they put in a Nevada. I can criticize Steve Alford. I'm happy Steve Alford and Nevada are in. I'm happy that Ryan Odom and Utah State are in. I'm happy that Pitt, even though they're in the ACC, is in. Overall, I thought the committee did really well. If I had one gripe, let me give one gripe and then one thing I think they did really well. The one gripe, I don't really understand why Kansas is the number one seed in the West, okay? So Kansas, of course, many thought was the number one overall seed, had the most quad one wins. Kansas, we all assumed, was probably in pretty good position to get a number one, to get the number one overall seed. Once they get bumped down, and then once Houston loses its conference tournament, kind of thought, Kansas was probably worthy of the number one seed in the Midwest in Kansas City. Obviously, an advantageous path for them. Instead, they give it to Houston. Didn't love that. But again, everybody's got to play a tough game at some point, so I don't hate it either. But let me also give the committee credit for this. This is something I've talked about on this show many times. I think over the years, the Big Ten has been given too much of a benefit of the doubt by the committee. In general, The committee uses, uh, not in general, the committee uses something called the net rankings to kind of pick teams and seed teams. And the Big Ten always has advantageous metrics in the net. And every year, it doesn't matter because the Big Ten disappoints in the NCAA tournament. And so every single year, we get these teams that are 18 and 13, 14 and whatever, like 19 and 14, whatever they are, that are getting in. And I've never liked it and I've never understood it. Well, this year, Rutgers was on the bubble. They didn't get in. Michigan was on the bubble. They didn't get in. And Wisconsin was on the bubble. They did not get in either. So credit to the to, to the committee. I'm, I would much rather see a Utah State, which was playing great down the stretch out of the Mountain West. I would have much rather seen a Pitt team that was one game away from winning the ACC regular season title, even if their resume wasn't great. NC State, which I thought played pretty well over the course of the year, as opposed to a Wisconsin who basically... Did not have any great stretch once the the calendar turned to January. Same with Michigan. Rutgers disappointed down the stretch. I thought the committee did really well. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. It is March. You want to make wagers, and there is no better place to make them than at the Betfred Sportsbook, the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod and all things Aaron Torres Media. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK, and they have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos, Cincinnati Bengals, Aaron Torres Media. And what I love about Betfred, they do more for their customers than anybody, and here's what they're doing for you this March. You can bet $50 on any game this March any game, and they will give you up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Go to betfredsports.com. Make your first $50 wager. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But then how about this? For the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer, you will be insured for up to $200 for the first five weeks. So you you make a few bets and we're all going to win all our bets this March. But if it doesn't work out, They'll give you up to $200 back for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So download the Betfred Sportsbook app, bet $50 on any game, 111 in free bets, plus up to $200 in free bets in insurance the first five weeks. That is all you got to do. Betfred Sportsbook, Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torah sent you. Enjoy March, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, with that said, let's switch gears. Let's get to actually breaking down the bracket. Okay, enough small talk, enough chitter chatter, enough foreplay. Let's get to just the brackets themselves. And as I said, today is not the day we will make our official picks. We will do that on Wednesday. But instead, I just kind of want to go bracket by bracket. Just give you some quick thoughts to kind of think about, to chew on as you start to get ready to fill out your brackets. And again, bracketfanatics.com, bracket named Aaron uh, to enter the Aaron Torres pod bracket challenge. But let's start with the South region. And I'm going to start with the South region for a few reasons. One, it was the first one that CBS started with when they did their bracket announcement on Sunday night. But then two, on top of that, it is the home of the number one overall seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama is the number one seed in that region. The number two seed is Arizona. Arizona, a little surprising there. I think most Arizona fans wanted that number two seed out west. Instead, UCLA gets it. We'll discuss that momentarily. Uh, Three seed is Baylor. Four seed is Virginia. First thought, look, I think Alabama is deserving of the number one overall seed. And I know that anytime we talk Alabama, There is a side conversation that has to happen, but we've talked about it on this show many times. At the end of the day, we can argue about what's going on with Alabama, who's on the team, who should be playing, who shouldn't be playing. This is a merit-based tournament. Alabama has decided to play Brandon Miller, and based on the team that we've seen on the court, I believe Alabama is not only the best team I've seen, I believe they're deserving of that number one overall seat. Now, I understand you could have made an argument, as I just said a minute ago, for Kansas, But at the same time, with Kansas, a couple things. One, they lost two of their last four games. It is worth noting, coming into Selection Sunday, we weren't even positive if Bill Self was going to be able to coach this team in the tournament. Now, it sounds like, thankfully, he is okay. But when you factor in Alabama at full strength, the incredible body of work that they have, great out-of-conference resume where they beat Houston at Houston, they beat Memphis, they beat a bunch of really good teams, they beat Michigan State on and on, winning the SEC regular season title, beating three more really good teams at the SEC tournament. I have no fundamental issue with them being the number one overall seed. Very nice path for them in Birmingham. Then, of course, they would go to Louisville from there. Eight, nine game, Maryland, West Virginia. We don't have to break this down this second. I will say if we get a Maryland-Alabama game in round two, I think that has a chance to be really fun. Maryland's a team that gets up and down, really good guard play, shoots a lot of threes. Bottom half of the bracket is where it starts to get interesting, though. Well, the bottom half of, let me put it this way, the bottom half of the top half of the South region, that's where San Diego State is the five seed, Charleston is the 12 seed, Virginia is the four seed, Furman is the 13 seed. First one, San Diego State and Charleston. This, to me, feels like a game that is going to be a very trendy 5-12 upset. Charleston went 31-3 and this year. But if you really break down their resume, there there really isn't that much there. And I'm happy that Charleston's in. I'm happy that they got the auto bid out of the Colonial. But you look at their resume. Got destroyed by North Carolina. Lost one of two games to the other best team in their league. And their best wins are probably against like Virginia Tech, who's not a tournament team. Colorado State, who's not a tournament team. Davidson, who's not a tournament team. There's just not that much there for Charleston. San Diego State, they're going to be a trendy upset pick. I just don't see it. The one thing that is worth noting with San Diego State, their head coach, Brian Dutcher, obviously took over a few years ago for Steve Fisher, the icon. Brian Dutcher still has yet to win his first NCAA tournament game. So this is a great place to start. You do not want to lose in this 5-12 game. The 4-13 game, that one, though, is interesting to me. Because Virginia, we know all about them. They play super slow. They play great defense top five nationally in scoring defense. The Furman Paladins team that they are playing, Furman is a team that gets up and down. They score a lot. They're actually number 11 nationally in scoring. So you talk about a styles make fights kind of thing. Now, Charleston, San Diego State has an element of this in the game that's going to be played concurrently with that one. But San Diego State can score high, you know, can score in bunches if they need to. Virginia can't. This is always a concern for them. So just be ready for that one as a potential upset on Wednesday's show because Furman can get up on you. And if Furman gets up on you, how many times have we seen it with Virginia? If you fall down playing that style, 
it makes it so hard to come back. I'd be a little bit worried about that draw if I was a if I was a Virginia fan. Let's go to the bottom half of the South region. And I'll tell you, you talk about a super intriguing game in the round of 64, the first round. The sixth seed Creighton against the 11 seed NC State. By the way, first of all, I'm happy NC State is in. I know I'm in the media. I'm not supposed to root for teams and things. It does kind of feel like NC State gets screwed on all this stuff, though, right? 2018 NCAA tournament, I be- it was either 2018 or 2019. One year, they were the first team out. Uh, they've had other weird stuff. Uh, football this year, very exciting season. Their star quarterback, Devin Leary, gets hurt, then decides to transfer to Kentucky. Baseball, if you remember, they got to the College World Series championship game, then lost a bunch of players to COVID-positive injuries. So I bring it up. It just feels like NC State's always getting screwed. Uh, So I'm happy they got in. They were on the bubble. I didn't really think of them as a bubble team. Happy to see them have the opportunity to play in this one. They'll play a Crane team, which is really good. And this one will be fun. Both these teams get up and down. Top 40 scoring teams nationally. NBA players on both sides. Terquavian Smith, the guard for NC State, is really good. Uh, Arthur Kaluma, Ryan Nemhard, Ryan Kalkbrenner. All these guys are really talented players for Creighton. So expect a high-scoring one in that one. The second game in that bracket, I would say this. Baylor, to me, is susceptible to an upset. They're playing a UC Santa Barbara team that has won 27 games. UC Santa Barbara is coached by the former Arizona lead assistant, Joe Pasternak. They've quietly been one of the most consistent mid-major programs in college basketball this year. Not not just this year. I take that back. Just in general, one of the most consistent mid-major teams. Did you know this? I saw this stat. It kind of blew me away. They've won 20-plus games in five of the last six years. At the mid-major level, that's really hard. UC Santa Barbara has done it. Worth noting, UC Santa Barbara has some some former high-major players. Starting forward, Andre Kelly began his career at Cal. Starting forward, Miles Norris began his career at Oregon. That's a team, if Baylor is not ready, they can easily lose. Baylor in the second round, I think, is going to have a tough matchup with Creighton and NC State, but we'll get there. Then finally, the bottom half of the bracket. I'll say this, NC uh, uh, Utah State and Missouri, no idea how I'm going to pick that one. Utah State, another team, happy to see them in. I thought they did enough, but with the committee, you never know. So happy to see a team from the Mountain West that was good all year, really good down the stretch, big win in the Mountain West tournament. Would much rather see them than a Michigan team that limped to the finish line or a Rutgers team that limped to the finish line. They will play. Don't have a strong take on that one yet, but both those teams like to run and get up and down. That will be a fun one. And then the second game in that region, number two, Arizona and Princeton. Now, Arizona, they've been inconsistent all year, but here's the bottom line with Arizona. We can criticize them, weird losses, whatever. Two wins over UCLA, win over Indiana on a neutral court, win over Tennessee at home, win over Creighton, win over San Diego State in the Maui Invitational. You can argue Arizona has as impressive wins as anybody in college basketball and would not be surprised to see them make a run in this bracket. I'll also say, I know Arizona fans wanted the number two seed in the West and they should have. The West would have provided them a path that would have taken them through Las Vegas, which is kind of Arizona's home away from home. But there's been a lot of years. Arizona's gotten to that second weekend in the West region and struggled. I wonder if getting shipped out to the Midwest or to the South, I wonder if getting shipped to Louisville, I wonder if that's a spot where Arizona can kind of be out of the limelight. Everybody's going to be focused on Alabama. Everybody's going to be focused on other stuff. Is this a spot where Arizona can make that first Final Four run? Can you believe this? Arizona fans, I know you know this, but I think it would surprise the average college basketball fan. Arizona has not been to a Final Four since 2001. They've certainly proven capable of beating anybody. We'll be curious to see if they can do it. Let's get really quickly to the East Regional. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and break down the Midwest and the West, which is, whoo, Midwest is loaded. The West is loaded. Start in the East, uh, uh, because, the, by the way, the East does line up with the South, so the winner of the South will play the winner of the East in the Final Four. Purdue's the number one seed. Listen, I can criticize Purdue, whatever. Didn't think they were uh, great all year. But by the end of the year, they did have a resume worthy of a number one seed. They'll play the winner of Texas Southern, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson, in the 116 game. I'll say this. If Memphis can get by Florida Atlantic, I think Memphis can give 
Purdue fits in round two. Be a really interesting matchup because Memphis basically, it'd be really interesting. The thing that Purdue struggles with, which is basically getting production from anyone other than Zach Eady, Memphis could give them fits. On the flip side, I could also see Zach Eady going for 40 and 30 in that game because Memphis has no one to guard him. Again, we'll make those official picks later in the week. Bottom half of the bracket, I'll say this, very interesting. The 5-12 is Duke Oral Roberts. The 4-13 is Tennessee, Louisiana. Why is that interesting? First off, Duke's not going to Greensboro. So you want to talk about a new era in college basketball. Duke, everyone thought they were going to end up in Greensboro. Now they got to go to Orlando, and they got to play a good Oral Roberts team. Remember, this Oral Roberts team two years ago, same head coach, same star player, Max Abesmiss beat Ohio State as a two-seed in round one. Ohio State was a two-seed. Oral Roberts was a 15-seed. Oral Roberts then beat Florida in the second round. Oral Roberts made a Sweet 16 two years ago with the same head coach and the same star player. Now they're getting Duke in round one. Duke better be ready to play or they could get upset. Tennessee, Louisiana, you know, no strong opinions on this one yet. Listen, I know Tennessee fans are mad and upset and everything. They're, they're going through a lot right now without Sakai Ziegler. I, I can't blame Rick Barnes because this team isn't unbeatable without their starting point guard. But I will say, I think the Louisiana matchup isn't the worst one that they could have gotten. And then look, you know, tough veteran team against that Duke team would be interesting to see for a spot in the Sweet 16. Bottom half of the bracket. By the way, I should say this. You talk about a bracket that has Duke, Purdue, Kentucky, Michigan State, I will say this feels like the bracket where if if we get the right teams in the finals in the Sweet 16 on that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this feels like it could be the Jim Nance region, right? This feels like the one where Jim Nance could be on the call if we get Duke and Kentucky there. But let's start 6-11. Obviously, it's Duke and Providence and, and or Kentucky and Providence, excuse me. I think most Kentucky fans have already picked up on this. The interesting part here, Providence their best player is a kid named Bryce Hopkins. Bryce Hopkins, where did he transfer from? The University of Kentucky. And so, you know, no real thoughts on this early. Um, I've been a Calipari defender for most of this season. I, I even defended him after the Vandy loss in the conference tournament. This is a game you should win. Providence is not playing well coming into this one. Providence played a war against UConn in the Big East tournament. But this was a team that quietly struggled the back half of the year. They lost their final two regular season games, three of their final four, and then lost their Big East tournament opener. They're not playing well. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that Kentucky basically has the better player at every spot on the court. John Calipari, you better win this one. Again, we'll talk about all these games later. 314, Kansas State's a really interesting one. Now, Kansas State, remember, who's their star player? Keontae Johnson. He was the player who, in a horrifying incident, you know, fainted on a court, basically had a heart situation on the court at the University of Florida, sat out all of the 2020-2021 season, sat out all of last year. He is back at Kansas State alongside a guard named Marquise Noel. They score a lot. But what's interesting about this Kansas State team to me is a couple things. One, first-year head coach, never coached an NCAA tournament game as a head coach, Jerome Tang. And then on top of that, uh, they do have mostly a team of guys that has never been to the NCAA tournament before. Keontae Johnson has, and oh, by the way, Arkansas fans will remember this name, Desi Sills, a transfer who started his career at Arkansas, but not a lot of tournament experience. That's just something to think about. Bottom two games in this bracket, Michigan State against USC. Be lying if I said I had any super strong opinions. Believe it or not, like Michigan State's guards are actually what is is carrying them this year. USC has really good guards as well. The one interesting thing, this is a Friday 12 Eastern game. USC, 9 a.m. tip-off local time for USC. How will their body clocks be? I think that's worth monitoring. And then in the bottom of this, Marquette versus Vermont should be a Marquette win. All right, so what we're going to do, take a quick break and give our first look at the Midwest and that boy, oh boy, oh boy, loaded West Regional where my UConn Huskies, who do they open with? Big Rick Energy, Rick Patino, and Iona. We're going to discuss all that. Take a quick break. Be right back. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's switch gears. Let's get to the other two regions in this year's NCAA tournament. We will start with the Midwest region, and we will wrap with the loaded West regional as well. Starting in the Midwest, though, thing you need to know, one, again, a little bit of a surprise that Kansas is not the number one seed, but instead Houston is the one seed, Texas the two seed, Texas the Big 12 tournament champs, the three seed is Xavier, the four seed Indiana, and what they have a very interesting matchup that we'll get to in a minute. But let's start with Houston. Listen, again, as I said to lead the show, there did feel like there was a little mini groundswell to get Texas on the one line over Houston, but they get this number one seed. And now the interesting part begins because for people who missed it, Houston played the conference tournament championship game against Memphis without their star player, Marcus Sasser. Marcus Sasser went down with a groin injury uh, in the conference tournament semifinal. He did not play in the final He is their best player, and Houston needs this guy to win and to advance deep into this tournament. So the first thing you need to kind of focus on as you evaluate, by the way, this is part of the reason I don't do picks on Sunday night or Monday morning. A lot is going to change before the games tip off on Thursday, and one thing will be the health and the status of Marcus Sassman. Now, as of right now, Kelvin Sampson has said he plans on playing. Would not be surprised if they decide to hold him out of the uh, of the NCAA tournament opener. They open with the Norse of Northern Kentucky, uh, but right away they then have a very interesting eight nine game in their same region. So Houston is headed to the Birmingham regional. Do you know who's in the eight nine in that region? Iowa and Auburn. Now, I think Houston will take care of either one of those teams, again, assuming that they beat Northern Kentucky. But the fact that they might have to play Auburn in Birmingham, this is why, like, like you know, again, I, I think Kansas should have been the number one seed in the Midwest. But let's not pretend as though Houston has this yellow brick road to the Final Four where the, the, the Final Four is actually in Houston this year. They're, they're, they could potentially have to play Auburn in Birmingham, which would be bananas in terms of what that arena could be like for that game. Auburn has to get by a high-scoring Iowa team first. Kind of a, st- a clash of styles there. Auburn's really good defensively. They're tough around the rim with Janai Broom. Iowa likes to get up and down with their star players, among them Chris Murray. Again, we'll keep you updated on this one and this bracket and all of my decisions as time goes on. The 5-12 and the 4-13. Now, remember in the South region where we talked about the 512 and the 413 both being upset potential spots? I think it's absolutely the case in this region, the Midwest. In the 512 game, we get Miami and Drake. Why is that important? By the way, Miami and Drake kind of go hand to hand. Nobody loves Miami more than, than, than uh, you know, your guy Drake over there. Yes, that was a bad Drake punt. But here's why this is interesting for a few reasons. First, Miami is another team that is dealing with an injury. Their best low post player, a kid named Norchad O'Meara. Those of you who follow the portal, everybody recruited this guy last year. He ends up at Miami. Don't know why. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Anyway, he hurt his ankle in the ACC tournament. And so it's interesting to see, and it will be interesting to monitor whether he's good to go or not. Now, the reports are that he should be good to go going into this game, but nothing is certain. And because of it, I think you got to pump the brakes, and I don't think you can assume that Miami is going to advance out of this game. Keep an eye on Norchad O'Meara's status, but also Drake's a really good team. Very interesting group. If you remember two years ago in that 2021 bubble NCAA tournament, Drake actually got an at-large bid to that tournament, and a couple key players from that team are still on this team right now. Roman Pentagard, a couple big guys, and overall Drake is 
one of the most experienced teams in this NCAA tournament. Of their five starters, four of them are either seniors or grad seniors, grad transfers. The fifth starter is Taylor DeVry, Tucker DeVry, excuse me, who is the the uh, son of the head coach. He was the Missouri Valley Player of the Year. Here's what's interesting about Drake. They're actually very good offensively and defensively as well. This is a team that shoots 37% from three, but then also on top of that, how about this? Top 40 defense nationally gives up 64 points per game. So you talk about you know a team that has upset potential. If you can shoot the crap out of the ball and you defend, that sounds like an upset potential there. Uh, as I'm recording, we do not have Betfred Sportsbook odds yet, but I'll tell you what, that might be one that I take uh, when we officially get odds. In the 413 game, another interesting upset potential type spot. Indiana, you know I love my boy Mike F. and Woodson, but Indiana has quietly been very inconsistent the back half of the year. Did you know Indiana since February 1st has only won back-to-back games one time in the last five calendar weeks, six calendar weeks? It was their season finale against Michigan, which was in overtime on senior day in Bloomington. That's a game you should win. And then their Big Ten tournament opener a week, you know, a few days ago in Chicago. Other than that, they've been inconsistent. They lost to Penn State. They're up and down. I worry about that. And I worry about it against a 28-win Kent State team that just won the MAC. What's intriguing about Kent State, Kent State is a team, they played a tough out-of-conference schedule. And here's here's what they did in it. They lost by five to Houston. They gave Houston everything they could handle. They lost by two to a Charleston team, which is a 12 seed in this tournament. And they lost by seven to Gonzaga at Gonzaga. Those are really good teams that that Kent State played down to the wire. I'd be worried about this team if I was an Indiana fan. That is the top half of the Midwest bracket. Let's go to the bottom half. Interesting 6-11 matchup. Iowa State is going to play the winner of one of the play-in games. The play-in game is Pitt versus Mississippi State. Now, from the play-in game perspective, very interesting styles make fights. Mississippi State, we got a lot of SEC listeners to this show. They're physical, they're tough, they're super athletic. They really can't score, but they are great defensively. Pitt, on the other hand, is very guard-oriented, very three-point shooting-oriented. A bunch of veterans, Jamarius Burton, uh, Nellie Cummings, Blake Hinson. These are fifth- and sixth-year college players, but it's a weird matchup against a team that can't really score, but they're going to try to keep you from scoring. That is in the 11 matchup. The winner will play Iowa State. Obviously, again, it's too early to speculate who could win that game. Below them, how about this? Sean Miller's return to the NCAA tournament. Xavier, the three seed, playing Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State, of course, won the A-Sun, their first NCAA tournament bid since becoming D1. Uh, Amir Abdur-Rahim is their head coach, Sharif Abdur-Rahim's brother. They're a really fun team. My concern with Kennesaw State, they're, they're quick, they're athletic, they're switchable. The problem is they got like the worst possible matchup they could have in a Xavier team that Xavier doesn't do a, doesn't do everything well. They could sure score points, though. Xavier's sixth in the country in scoring at 81 points per game, and that's a tough matchup for Kennesaw State. Worth noting, by the way, the potential for a 3-11 matchup. How about this? If Pitt wins its play-in and then they beat Iowa State, you'd have Sean Miller against his alma mater. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's worth noting there. And then we get to the bottom half of the bracket, and this is the one that immediately caught my eye when the bracket came out. 710 is Texas A&M and Penn State. The 215 is Texas Colgate. Let's start with Penn State and Texas A&M. And Texas A&M is the fan base, I would argue more than any, that feels aggrieved and frustrated and angry with the selection committee. Some brackets had them as high as a four seed. Most of them had them on the five seed. But I'll tell you, I don't know that the committee screwed this one up. Texas A&M fans are going to kill me for saying it. But Texas A&M had a brutal out-of-conference schedule. They lost to Murray State on a neutral court. Murray State was not good this year. They lost to a bad Colorado State team on a neutral court. They lost to Wofford at home. And to me, this is the committee looking at their entire body of work rather than just what they did in SEC play. Now, once the calendar turned to January, I think you could argue they were the most consistent team in college basketball. But 
The whole resume counts. I can't get mad that Texas A&M is a seven seed. But remember, this was a team that thought they should have been in last year. They were not. They're upset with that. And now, obviously thinking they should have been better than a seven seed, they get Penn State. The one thing I will say, I really like that matchup with them against Penn State. Uh, Penn State has a star guard named Micah, uh, named uh, Jalen Pickett. Micah Shrewsbury is the head coach. I could see Texas A&M shutting down Jalen Pickett. They have a big wing defender named Dexter Dennis, who I think is going to get put on Jalen Pickett. I think Texas A&M wins that game. And that could set up a very interesting matchup with Texas in round two. Now, Texas, they got to get through Colgate, which is a consistent NCAA tournament team. Remember, Colgate a few years ago played Arkansas in their opener, really gave Arkansas a push for about 30 minutes before the Hogs pulled away. But Texas is interesting. It feels like this is what I was thinking about with Texas. There's always one team that every year gets hot in their conference tournament and everybody falls in love with them. Doesn't that kind of feel like Texas? Doesn't it kind of feel like we had all given up on Texas a week ago? Then they win the conference tournament and admittedly they beat Kansas in the regular season finale. But it kind of feels like this is the team everybody's falling in love with. They're playing for Rodney Terry, all that good stuff. Don't think they lose to Colgate, but you talk about a mega second round matchup. Texas versus Texas A&M. I think we're going to get it. Des Moines. Woo. You're going to need some extra security in Des Moines for that one. I was telling, I was working Fox Sports Radio for the Bracket Reveal show. I know you guys and girls know this. You're a smart audience. There are some rivalries in sports where the two sides hate each other when they're on the field or on the court, but have respect for each other off the court, off the field. That is not Texas A&M. These two sides hate each other. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, let's get to the West Regional, the final regional. And again, I will give all, all my official picks on Wednesday, but we'll start. Number one seed, Kansas. I've already gone over it three, four times. Thought they could have been the number one in the Midwest, but that would have possibly you know, put them in Birmingham uh, with Auburn. So listen, you, somebody was going to have to go out West. It ends up being Kansas. They play Howard. Kansas, again, the big note there. It appears as though Bill Self will be back for the tournament. You talk about a super intriguing 8-9 game. Arkansas, Illinois. How about that? Now, Arkansas, listen, Eric Musselman has a history of having uh, being able to flip the switch in March, but I'll call a spade a spade. This is a program that has really struggled down the stretch. They lost in the SEC tournament to Texas A&M. Overall lost three of their last four, uh, six of nine since Nick Smith Jr. came back. Not blaming Nick Smith, but that's the truth. Uh, Illinois, an interesting team in their own right, a team that I, you know, I think uh, weird team, kind of a combo of veterans, transfers, young guys, Illinois, another team that was just very inconsistent all year. I do think that, you know, the, the talent is certainly there to do it, but like Arkansas kind of limping to the finish line here, three and three in their last six, four and five in the, four and six, excuse me, in their last 10 and so this is a team that is not playing well. They lost the opening game of the Big Ten tournament to Penn State. Illinois is not very good right now. Very intriguing 8-9 game. Let's go to the 4-13 and the 5-12 in this region. The 5-12 is a very interesting contrast in styles. St. Mary's, obviously the co-WCC regular season champs. They beat Gonzaga once. Gonzaga beat them twice, including the conference tournament. They open with VCU. VCU, anybody who's watched them through the years, they like to press, they like to get up and down, they like to defend you really hard. St. Mary's has one of the slowest tempos in college basketball. St. Mary's is elite defensively. St. Mary's on the season is holding its opponents to uh, on the season in terms of, of scoring defense. St. Mary's, again, is one of the best teams in college basketball, a team that is holding opponents to 60 points per game, Fourth in college basketball behind only Houston, North Texas, and Tennessee. So keep it on. Very interesting styles make fights there. And you talk about very interesting. How about this? The 4-13 matchup, the Iona Gales, Rick Patino, 
and a little team called the UConn Huskies. And so a couple things here. One, I would say this. First off, for we got a lot of UConn fans that listen to this show. It was a weird thing because all year long, I heard that UConn was going to end up in the East region, even if they weren't the one seed. And every bracketology, Joe Lenardi, uh, Mike DeCourcy, whoever, I'm not criticizing those guys. Joe Lenardi's a great guy. But I never understood why UConn had to be the number one seed number uh, number uh, uh, in the East region. As a matter of fact, it's kind of unfair to put them in the East region when you have a team like a Purdue or a Houston or a Kansas that's a number one seed there. So I always thought it was weird that everyone assumed that they were going to be the num- number one seed in the East. Instead, they go out West. And again, how about the matchup with Rick Pitino? It was funny. I was watching the MAC championship game on uh, Saturday night. Obviously, I'm vested in this Rick Pitino to St. John's thing. And I, 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 I thought it and I tweeted it. I said, imagine being the team that spends all year long working hard. You get to campus in June. You go through summer workouts. You go through the fall. You go through the non-con. You go through the conference play. You go through the conference tournament. And you put yourself in position to get a top four seed. And then you get Rick Pitino and Iona. Don't love it. But I will say I've kind of talked myself off the ledge on this. When I first saw it, I said, oh, UConn screwed. Here we go again. One thing about Rick Pitino teams, we know they're going to defend. We know they're going to be physical. Why I bring it up is because if you can deal with that toughness, you should be okay. And the one thing about UConn, they are tough and physical around the boards. I like that matchup for UConn. Let's go to the bottom half of the bracket. TCU playing the winner of Arizona State, Nevada. Again, pretty happy that both these teams got in. You know, I thought Bobby Hurley did a pretty good job at Arizona State this year, all things considered. They play Nevada with Steve Alford. I told you Steve Alford and Nevada had a meltdown. I said a minute ago, Rutgers was the only team that Joe Lenardi had had in that did not get in. I believe Nevada was the only team that he had out that got into the field. They'll play in that 11 matchup. The winner plays TCU. TCU, we've talked about a ton. They've been up and down all year long. They're finally healthy. They did lose Eddie Lampkin, a key player. He left the team. There's weird stuff going on there. But TCU looked really good in their opener of the Big 12 tournament to Kansas State uh, before losing to Texas. 314 matchup, Gonzaga against Grand Canyon. Gonzaga speaks for itself. And listen, I've been very critical of Gonzaga all year. Played well down the stretch, though. And you look at Gonzaga's resume. It's funny, right? We, we, we criticize Gonzaga for, oh, they're so down this year. Well, they beat Alabama on a neutral. They beat Michigan State on a neutral. They beat Xavier on a neutral. They beat St. Mary's twice. Like, that's not a terrible resume. They're the three seed uh, in that region. Grand Canyon first. They would play the winner of TCU, ASU, or Nevada. By the way, we could have a weird, um, if all the upsets happen, how about this Phoenix on Phoenix, ASU on Grand Canyon in round two? Bottom half of the bracket. So let me let me take a quick moment. It is Northwestern Boise State, UCLA, UNC Asheville, okay? Let me do one quick thing, and then we'll wrap the show. But one thing is, Every year around March, I always get asked early, you know, late February, early March, whatever. I always get asked, Torres, who's the team that can do this? And how who's going to pull the upset? And who's this? And who's that? And I always say, I got to see a bracket first. And I bring it up because UCLA, I think if, if there was any team going into this week that we felt like, okay, they're probably not going to play up to their seed. They're dealing with injuries. It's UCLA. But you look at this draw. This is a really nice draw for them to get back to the Sweet 16. Respect UNC Asheville, but that should be a win. And then you get Boise or Northwestern. And then all of a sudden you go to Vegas where your fans might actually be able to show up. Oh, by the way, your first and second round games are in Sacramento. UCLA, in theory, they're going to have a 45-minute plane ride to Sacramento and then a 45-minute plane ride to Vegas if they get there. And so I'm not saying that they're going to win the region. It's going to be tough against Boise. It's certainly going to be tough probably against Gonzaga. And then you have Kansas, you have UConn, I don't know, in Vegas to go to the the Final Four. And so I just bring it up to say, this is why I hate saying, well, this team's, they're not making it past the Sweet 16. Well, I need to see a bracket first. UCLA, a very nice draw to at least get to the second weekend in the West Regional where they'll be in Vegas. All right, I think that's it for the Monday episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I think it's time for me to get out of here. I, I, I've done enough. I've given you your homework. I've given you the cliff notes on what you need to know. Here's the plan for the rest of the week. 
Tuesday, probably a little bit of a betting show. We'll probably have one of my buddies on from Betfred Sportsbook. Um, also, we will probably talk some other odds and ends, maybe some news as it pertains to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, maybe some of this coaching stuff. How about Will Wade? Will Wade got a new head coaching job. Rick Pitino, it appears, is going to St. John's. How about this? In recruiting, Louisville got a five-star. I think that's the other thing to note, too. Monday, the transfer portal opened. So you talk about a crazy time for college basketball coaches. Prepping for the NCAA tournament, travel. Oh, by the way, the portal's open. You're evaluating, you're co- talking, you're offering, all that good stuff. So loaded Tuesday show. Wednesday, I make my official picks. And Thursday, it's go time. Before we get out of here, a couple things. If you're not subscribed, now's a heck of a time to start. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, all that good stuff. Make sure to rate and review the show. Make sure, bracketfanatics.com, bracket named Aaron. Sign up if you have not already. You can already make your picks, lock them in. $1,000 prize pool. And again, Betfred Sportsbook, Bet50 on any game this March. Get up to $1,111 in free bets. All right, that's it. That's all for today's show. It's time for me to get out of here. Time to go. Shout out to Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, UF head. Unblock me, bro. Busy week coming up on the Aaron Torres pod. So excited. I'll see you soon. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.